In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. So before we get started, I want to tell a quick story about something that happened earlier. We were, uh, my wife and I were hanging out with Carson and he's into dinosaurs right now. He's got some plastic dinosaurs on his, um, on his dresser. And Krisha goes, he's got a stegosaurus, a triceratops, a brontosaurus and a T-Rex. And she said, yep, he's got two veggiesauruses and two, you know, metasauruses. And I said, I think three of them are actually like herbivores or they eat, they eat vegetables. So we looked it up and uh, we were confused about Triceratops and Stegosaurus. So she's reading the Wikipedia page about the Stegosaurus and there's all this stuff about things that they think that the Stegosaurus was. Like they lived in what would be the equivalent of the Pacific Northwest. So we have a Seattle-based dinosaur. Is, I didn't know there was a Seattle dinosaur. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. That was the kids. But there's also... There was also a theory that the uh, the brain was very small, <laughs> and it was described as being kind of like a. <laughs> I kid you not, it was described as like a a bent up hot dog. <laughs> what? A bent yeah. up this, hot dog. What? No this more? is this is why Wikipedia is so entertaining because it's it's official but not official. You know, this isn't coming from like the Britannica or anything like that. This is like a Wikipedia entry. So the entry, you know, the things that you find out about dinosaurs that apparently might or might not be true. But I'm just thinking, I'm trying to picture a giant dinosaur with plates on its back walking around, thinking like Eddie from like Christmas Vacation. Hey there, Clark, I've got like this. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm picturing in my head oh is cousin Eddie goodness. in a dinosaur type persona but it was just really funny <laughs> yeah that's definitely not the way i would have expected the brain to be um yeah. described i now look at stegosaurus a lot differently <laughs> I, I i guess so yeah that would do it <laughs> it's pretty funny anyway but it was funny that's yeah. good well we're not here to talk about dinosaurs but um we are here to talk about tornadoes which yes. are kind of like dinosaurs because they cause a lot of destruction does that does that maybe. work? Is that a good segue? Yeah, we'll, we'll call it a good segue. So, <laughs> so uh, we're here. This is Aaron and Patrick, hey. and, and we are here to discuss the film Twister. This is episode seven of the Feel and Film podcast. If you haven't been with us before, um, we are dedicated to discussing the most positive aspects of a film. We try to keep our negative talk to a minimum, even when it is warranted. Uh, because we believe that every movie has something worth pulling out of it and that every experience can be a positive one in some way or another. Yeah, it's interesting that you uh, you, you you pulled this out. You recommended Twister to me. And I remember going, Aaron, we were supposed to, the, the idea about second chance picks is, you know, divisive movies or movies that have low critical and po- probably commercial appeal. And then you showed me the, the uh, Rotten Tomato score and I was... <laughs> no pun intended blown away by <laughs> yeah by no i was but, i was surprised too actually i yeah i didn't know um and we can we can definitely get into that um <laughs> but it made me excited it. Yeah, yeah right there's a there's a lot of movies we've discovered that there are a lot of films especially we were we were joking about this uh earlier in the week about how the 80s in particular as a decade it feels like every film in the 80s is, is under 50 percent 
Yes. And, <laughs> and maybe the whole decade in, yeah. in, as a whole, like yeah. the 80s are 50 percent or less on RT. We, we may, yeah, we may need maybe yeah, we may need to have to start a secondary podcast called Feel and Film in the 80s just to cover all of those. <laughs> but I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. <laughs> well, before we get started, um, let's check in. What have you been watching and what have you been up to this week? Yeah. Um, okay. So there are a couple of couple of movies that uh, that I had uh, I pulled out for specific reasons. There is a um, my wife and I we we watch maybe two or three shows together. We have shows that we watch separately, but there are always two or three shows that we that we latch onto together, and we kind of have our quality time in front of the in front of these. And with summer one or with summer coming around, and the you know the the seasons winding down, we're trying to figure out you know what's coming up in the fall to watch. So in the uh, on Facebook, my my wife sent me a link to a um, a show coming on NBC called This Is Us, and I saw it. And I'm, if you guys have seen it, if you guys have, have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's just a really great drama. It's got Mila Ventimiglia in it. It's got Mandy Moore. Uh, it's got two or three other folks that are are fairly fairly famous. But the trailer for it looked really really good, and it said it came from the writers and directors of uh crazy stupid love and i remember seeing that had ryan gosling and steve carell in it and i said you know what i'm gonna revisit that i want to see kind of what i'm getting into in the fall and i was not disappointed it is such a great uh comedy drama combination ryan gosling and steve carell are just fantastic together they have just this fantastic chemistry and um, essentially, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but it's essentially about uh, Steve Carell. He and his wife are divorcing and he goes through the whole movie trying to find out, his, find his manhood again. He's trying to find his identity. And so he runs into Ryan Gosling, this really stud kind of, you know, ladies man kind of guy. And he reinvents Steve Carell. And so it's all about their adventures together. But there's a really great message at the heart of it about really fighting for what you want and fighting for for who you really love and stuff like that. So there's a so I I sensed I'm I'm hoping that that kind of idea shows up in this is in this is us that sense of comedic sincerity. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely looking forward to that. And um, the other movie I watched this week or I rewatched uh, was Juno, a movie that came out back oh, in wow. 2007. Yeah, yeah, Ellen Page. That came out of a um, being inspired by a Popcorn Theologies episode. Um, you and I have talked about this, Aaron, that because of my job, I don't have a lot of time to actually listen to things because part of my job involves listening to audio and narration and stuff like that. So I don't have a ton of time to just listen to a bunch of podcasts like you do. I wish I did, and so that's one thing I'm envious of is that you get this wide range of podcasts that you can listen to and you've got this incredible community that you've introduced me to. So, um, inspired by our competition with those guys over at popcorn theology, I decided to download a few of their episodes and try to take some time out and listen to what they, uh, what they had to say. And I noticed that Juno was on the list. So I went ahead and uh, a couple of, a couple of days ago, popped it in and, and watched it and enjoyed it just as much as I did the first couple of times that I'd seen it. And then I, promptly listened to their podcast when I went uh, running the other day and uh, and absolutely loved it. It's such a great thing to be able to, you know, watch a film and then catch 
the nuances that you've seen articulated by other people, you know, so, and then also catching things that, that you, you didn't see, uh, through a podcast. So I'd like to send a quick shout out to those guys over at popcorn theology. Thanks for a great episode of that podcast. I'm going to continue to listen and, uh, you've made a listener out of me and, uh, enjoyed the experience of rewatching Juno as well. That's awesome. Stuff. I haven't, I haven't seen it since, I mean, very close to when it first came out. So I would imagine that it would hold up on a, on a rewatch, uh, just due to the content and, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's a comedy mostly. And yeah. Ellen Page is fantastic. It was really her breakout role. I think, yeah. I think, I think both this and, and crazy stupid love have that sense of really great, hilarious moments and a, a really great, sincere at the heart of it type type message that um, I really gravitated towards. So they were great. They, they, they fit as a companion, as a pair of movies that I watched this week. That's cool. I like yeah. it when it, I like it when that happens. It, it, it tends to happen for me too. I'll pick something in a certain genre or certain type of film. And then the next I'll, it'll, it'll trigger me wanting to watch something else similar to that just because I'm kind of in that mood. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, for me, the first thing that I wanted to talk about was the fact that last week you challenged me to watch something happy. Yes. And I put out a call to the listeners to ask them what they what for their suggestions of what I could watch, and I got quite a few suggestions, um some better than others. <laughs> I got things that were way out in left field that I don't know that I would ever take the time out of my day to go watch. Were um, those baseball movies? No. You said left field. Okay. I guess. No, no, no they were not baseball movies. Sorry. <laughs> Bad um, joke. And then I got some, some pretty funny recommendations. My coworker, Phil, actually recommended uh, Harry and the Hendersons, which I haven't yes! seen in forever. And yes. he was reminding me that it had some Northwest ties to it. And I looking back, I almost wish I would have picked that in some ways. And I, and I do think I will revisit that one sometime soon because it was a very good. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, but no, so there was, uh, so two, two guys on Twitter, um, Eric Landfried and Jamie Crock. Um, both of these listeners suggested something called son of Rambo and it's R A M B O W. It's not spelled the same way as Rambo is. Um, I'd never heard of this film had no earthly idea what they were talking about. And the fact that two people recommended it kind of pushed it over the top for me. So I went and sought it out. And essentially what this movie is about is two young, I I guess, elementary school aged uh, boys, one of which is a big, big time bully. And the other is very much your, your common artistic introvert. Um, His mother seems to be in some sort of, almost involved in like a religious cult or some kind of religious uh, system of some kind that's subversive or, you know, it's, he's not, he's not able to do a lot that other kids are able to do. And so he expresses himself through drawing and then this bully and he end up forming a relationship. Um, you typical movie, it's Rocky at the beginning. It's not, you know, planned. And then before you know it, they find out they have something they want to do in common uh, in this case, which is to make a movie. I won't give away much more than that in case you are so inclined to check it out. Um, it is very British, so the humor 
is dry in a lot of ways, in a lot of places. It, it didn't really get me until the final, final act of the film. It kind of picked up and it, and it started to emotionally impact me. But unfortunately, the first half or so of it, I I just found myself wanting to fall asleep. It's kind of surreal. It's kind of it's 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 a very odd film um it's got a lot of elements kind of into it that i just i didn't feel like they worked in a great way so it's pretty pretty average movie is good it wasn't bad but it wasn't didn't blow me away um there there were a couple scenes at the end that definitely made me feel happy and i'm glad to have checked something out that listeners recommended more than anything Um, it was cool to be able to get that feedback and go watch something I'd never even heard of, which is, which was surprising to me. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd actually like to check that out. I like that. I, the idea, uh, specifically with those characters, I'd love to see how that looks on the, on the big screen. I like, I like the, those, um, those elements. So I'm, I'm interested to, to check that out as well. Son of Rambo. Son of Rambo. R-A-M-B-O-W. Like rainbow, but without right. the, yes. Okay. Rambo and rainbow put together. You'll, you'll understand why when you, watch it that's that's very much the tone yeah, of the okay. film um Trixie hobbits yeah so it, it actually seems like something that might be up your alley so if you do cool let us know what you thought um not to promote popcorn theology too much but they actually did an episode last week on the shawshank redemption um and another podcast that i listened to real world theology did one on the shawshank redemption as well they dropped them the same week, didn't know it, and that was kind of interesting. Um, but I revisited that movie this week, and just, you want to talk about your making me happy, there it is. Um, <laughs> there is there is a reason this is in you know my top five films of all time at any given moment. It, it is just an amazing, amazing movie, and I'm not going to go into anything else. I'm just going to say, everybody out there that has seen it, I know that 99% of you agree with what I'm saying. For those of you that have not seen it, you just need to go watch it. It's that simple. So that's my challenge to anybody listening. If you haven't seen Shawshank, go check it out. Lastly, uh, I wanted to talk about Top Gun. I watched Top Gun, and here's why. I have long been curious about steelbooks. Do you know what steelbooks are? I've, I've heard of them. So they're kind of like a collector case for movies or games. And it's like a metal version of a DVD or Blu-ray case. Uh, okay. Usually has some sort of unique artwork on it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's a little different in that way. But I've always wanted one. And many of them are very expensive and very limited in their numbers that were made. But I found this Top Gun 30th Anniversary Steelbook on Amazon. And it was under 20 bucks. And I was like, you know what? It's time for me to take a shot and see if I can see what this is all about. So... I ordered it. I fell in love immediately. The moment I opened it, the moment I had it in my hands, it is the coolest thing. I have an addictive personality, so I have to be careful with what I want to collect, but I've kind of set my limit at my top 50 of all time, so that probably can fluctuate, you know, around 55-ish to 60 films total because they change on a, you know, regular basis depending on my mood. But those are the ones I kind of want to target. I don't want to just own every Steelbook movie that comes out. But the ones that I really love, the films that I really love, I'd like to own their special versions of. And I'm hoping that eventually I can do that, whether they're affordable ones that people grab me for presents or 
non-affordable ones that people grab me for presents or that I save up to um, and am able to eventually snag. Uh, it's definitely something I would like to look at collecting because they are really cool. And because I got it, I had to watch it. So I yeah. put in <laughs> Top Gun the other night, and I'm going to tell you, Patrick, there is <laughs> I, this this movie. I You can't criticize this movie to me. You just can't. I watched it, and it is it can do no wrong. I, there, it is such a nostalgic memory for me. It is such a ingrained piece of my childhood that I absolutely adore it. And I wrote this in my review. You might have seen this if you follow me on Twitter. But I said this is a ten star movie on a five star scale for me. <laughs> you can't you can't tell me otherwise. I don't I don't want to hear you tell me talk to me about a plot or acting or I don't want to hear any of that nonsense. This is a movie that makes me happy. This is a movie that puts me in tears. This is a movie that makes me laugh out loud. This is a movie that makes me sing at the top of my lungs and send you voice messages of me singing. Yes, this is true. I'm going to validate that statement. You are a lucky man. (laughs) Okay, we'll call it lucky. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. But anyway, so I watched Top Gun. Um, My my question I, I have for our listeners is, is that a film that you would like us to cover? Um, it's kind of sitting in that range on the Rotten Tomatoes meters or Rotten Tomato meter where we could kind of consider it as a second chance pick, pick but it's also got about an 80% user uh, positive rating. So it, it kind of, it's hard to tell if that's yeah. one that you guys want covered. If you want us to talk about it, I could easily talk about that movie for an hour. So let <laughs> us know, send us a tweet, get on the Facebook page and tell us if you want us to do Top Gun or not. As a as an addition to that, I'd like to kind of put out a I guess a poll question if I could if I could do that unofficially. What are some movies out there uh, that you guys are listening that uh, you guys listening to us? What are some movies that you think are it, on your personal scale critic proof? What are the ten star movies on a five star scale to you guys that you find um, almost completely untouchable when it comes to criticism? Um, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and and let us know. We'd be interested to see what uh, what you guys pick. Yep, for sure. All right, so we've babbled on long enough. Let's get this thing started and get into our main review for the night. Uh, We are here to talk about Twister. Man, I'm jacked about this. This was so much fun to rewatch. I was just so excited when you said, let's do this. I was not that excited when I said, let's do this, because I didn't remember it being this good. But after I was (laughs) done, I was like so jacked. and Yes, I am so glad we did this. You mentioned earlier about how we were shocked that this is at the 50% kind of range on the Rotten Tomatoes scale. Yeah. The public is actually at about 51% as well, which blew me away. I don't, I don't know what these people are watching personally. I, well, I, I, I think we ended up realizing what the kind of weird anomaly. Are we going to dock at 50% for Bill Paxson? Because well, most people have. I personally wouldn't, but I can see why yeah. um, Bill Paxton's performance was not exactly on par with everyone else's. He has been – he's the same guy in everything that he does, uh, with the exception of Weird Science, in which I think was probably one of my favorite roles of his, where he played Chet, the older brother. Um, everything that I've seen him in has just been the same guy. And you know what? There's, there's a lot of there's – there's an argument to be made that that works. I think Keanu Reeves, when he's in his action 
uh, element when he's in his kind of mm-hmm. fast-paced rock and roll thing like The Matrix or Speed or um, Point Break. I mean, he's rocking it. I mean, and he's good in that. And I think what turns me off particularly about Bill Paxton is that in this one specifically, it doesn't work for me. It does not work for me at all. Yeah, what about you? It didn't work for me either. Uh, he, I mean, well, I, let me clarify. I think the film could have potentially reached that super status of like a major all-time favorite um, if Bill Paxton had been a different actor. So it did. Hold, agree, it yeah. did hold it back. But it did not – it didn't hold it back in a way – it held it back from what it could have been, but it did not destroy what it was. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of how to word this, but the film was great. I mean, it's still yeah. great even with his yeah. bad performance. And so right. typically if a lead actor is puts in a, a poor performance, it's going to hurt the film a lot more than it did in this case. And I think well, that's a credit right. to the, the uh, supporting cast. I absolutely agree. And I think going back to uh, last week when we were talking about your response to Ride with the Devil, I think you had that same kind of response. The lead actors were not on par with the rest of the cast. Good point. But the story and everything else that surrounded it really made up for that. And I would have to agree. I think the supporting cast just was amazing, was just absolutely perfect for the roles, particularly. And I'm going to get it. You know, this is going to come later. But Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, my gosh. If there was a yin to Bill Paxton, the Yang would be Philip Seymour Hoffman to me personally, because he stood out as the guy that I really enjoyed the most to the point, to the opposite effect of, of Bill Paxton being the guy that I didn't really like at all. You know? Right. Well, and that's why I say that. Well, yeah, well, we can talk about him here in a minute. Um, so good. <laughs> like, like, like we said, we're, we're covering Twister. Um, this is a movie from the mid nineties uh, in which, the story just revolves around um, Joe as a young a young girl, um, and there is a tornado. Her father and rushes her family out to a storm cell, a storm cellar. Um, the tornado ultimately swoops father away. Um, she is spared, and she grows up to be a tornado chaser, along with her ex, well, her estranged husband, Bill. Um, and their team of tornado chasers. And then that's what, that's really what it's built around. It's, it's very much a drama wrapped into a disaster movie. Uh, and I th- think we'll get into that more in a little bit too. B- before we, before we start talking about all the stuff we love, cause I think I can feel us like already going there because we liked a lot. Yeah. Are there anything, things other than Bill Paxson that you particularly didn't care for? Um, I think that I uh, there wasn't a lot. I think the there's a particular scene like the last big tornado sequence where Joe and Bill are driving the truck and she's going like left and he goes left and she goes go right and right. And then this house, this big house that's been blown blown by the tornado falls onto the road and they go into the house and up the stairs and it feels like a Buster Keaton moment. <laughs> And it kind of took me out of the movie because... And then a teddy bear. Yeah, and then a teddy bear. And and I just go, I just, what? What? Wait, hold on. Did that just happen? And and, and there were some moments like that. That's an example. But there were some moments that felt 
unrealistic to me. Of course, this is coming from a guy who's never been in a tornado, so I can't really speak from personal experience. But there were some things that felt kind of far-fetched, and that was one of them. Um, and again, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't think there was a lot besides Paxton's performance that really threw me out of anything. I kind of wish he and he and Jonas, uh, Carrie Ell's character, had kind of switched roles. I think Carrie Ell's, who plays, he plays a good guy. You know, I think that may have worked for me better because I'm used to seeing him as a good guy and he's kind of a dashing whatever. But he plays a bad guy pretty well too. I've seen him in a couple of bad guy roles, and, and you know, it's it, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have broken or made the movie for me if they switched. I just mm-hmm. I would probably would have preferred that. But um, there's a yeah, and then there's a pivotal scene. I think right after the big second tornado, I don't remember. There was there were several moments of tornadoes, obviously, with a movie called Twister, that that Joe is talking to well, his name. Bill Paxton's actual name is is Bill in the movie, um, and they're they're heard talking on the intercom on the on the radio uh, walkie talkies, and he says something like, uh, "You know, I'm here, Joe," and it just it, that felt real cliche to me, and it almost felt like the the director, writer, whoever was trying to kind of say, here's the point we're making. And it, it felt, it felt a little pushed like, eh, okay. I haven't really gotten much invested in these two characters yet. So I can't really feel whatever empathy is happening here. Right. I, you know, there's a couple of those. I, I didn't necessarily feel the same way. I, I did not, I did note the, the scene you were talking about with the, the house falling on the road is just kind of probably the most silly scene in the entire movie, in my opinion. And it's funny that you mentioned that because that's toward the end. The other, the other big problem I had with the movie was the beginning, um, and that is the fact that the dad rushes them into the storm cellar, and then he goes up and he holds on to the door and he's 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 oh, yeah. he's, he's holding it closed so that the storm can't get to them he tells them specifically he tells the mom and the daughter uh joe he says get to the back of the storm cellar so they they go to the back of the storm cellar and they're protected and then the door flies off he can't hold it he's complaining about how he's like he's like can't hold it i can't hold it i can't hold it and the tornado ends up taking the door and taking him with it right yeah but they're perfectly fine and here is my question why, if they are perfectly fine standing in the back of the storm cellar, could he have not just walked to the back of the storm cellar and let the door be open? Because it obviously did not affect them. And I I, I kind of know where I can see it on both sides, but it, it definitely created a little bit of a, a thought in me when I was watching the movie of, hey, why? Um, you know, timing is probably the, the answer here. If depending on where the storm was doing, you know, maybe it would have whisked in and pulled them out or maybe he thought that they wouldn't be safe unless he held the door closed. And so that's why he was trying to do it. But it's just a pretty sad way for him to go when in reality, had he just walked to the back of that storm cellar, there would have been no movie because he would have never died. Right. So, I mean, we can say the, at least the worst case idea is plot device. <laughs> right. Plot device. <laughs> exactly. Know? What I yeah. thought it was. Yeah, so there, there's definitely a lot of logic issues when it comes to that. But if, as we've seen throughout the rest of the movie, there are some other logic issues that that take place that the that the 
that the team of, of creators on this movie have, have clearly said, okay, we're going to suspend our disbelief for these moments. And I'm okay with that because overall, I think the movie itself was fun. You know, it wasn't trying to, it, here's, here's my biggest, uh, critical, like thumbs up for it. It wasn't trying to be any more than it tried to, than, than it was attempting to do. It was a disaster movie first and foremost. And then it became a, it, you know, it built on to some other themes that we'll get into here in a, here in a few minutes, but it was a disaster movie for, from the, from the get go. That's interesting that you say that. And let's, let's use that as a transition into what we liked because okay. I'm not sure I wholeheartedly agree. I okay. see what you're saying about it started off as a disaster movie and kind of tried to keep that up. But I actually think that it was a drama first and a disaster movie second. Okay. And the reason I say that is because there are so many themes within this, a family, there's a divorce that's being, um, you know, put on hold and, and is it going to go through? Is it not going to go through these, these characters mm-hmm. are, are estranged, um, and, you know, end up bonding back, of course, through this experience, which is, you know, typical plot, which is fine. But I got a lot of themes of drama out of this more. So I felt like the tornadoes were a device to push through the push the drama along. And I compare it to modern day blockbusters. And I actually watched San Andreas, uh, a movie from last year. I watched mm-hmm. that pretty quickly, pretty soon after I watched Twister. And it had a lot of the same themes. There was the same thing. There was a family and they were estranged and they weren't quite divorced yet. And they end up getting back together. It was kind of interesting. And in that one, it felt like the earthquakes, the CGI earthquakes were really the destruction is what made the plot or what what the focus was. Uh, Whereas in Twister, I felt like the drama was much more um, on the main, the main screen for us as a viewer and so I think that, in my opinion, the difference in modern-day disaster movies compared with what we got in the 90s with Twister and Armageddon and you know some others, Dante's Peak, um, mm-hmm. I think that they were much more drama-centered than we okay. get now. And I, and I could be wrong, but that's, that's just how I've read it. Well, I can, I can see that. And, and I would agree that there is definitely a heavy handedness of drama and I loved it. I really, really enjoyed the, the themes that were explored. What I think, what I think the the place I'm coming from is the fact that, I mean, I mean, it was, it was intense. I mean, the opening sequence was, I would love to have seen this in the theater. I would love to have experienced this in all of its glory because, and I think, the intensity of the tornadoes, the intensity of the action sequences was so big that to me, the action of it visibly and emotionally overwhelmed the drama for me. I did. I don't discount the drama. And I think that you're right. There is those elements pushed the drama forward. But if I'm going to if I'm going to take a step back and 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 get more on the side of what you're doing, what, what you're saying, I would say it's a 50 50. I don't. I think I think it's equally then a disaster movie and a drama because the tornadoes to me were front and center. They started it, they ended it, and they were right in the thick of it. I mean, the tornadoes were always around. And I think just from a just from a visible point of view, from a physical point of view, from a sound point of view, 
they were always looming. They're, they're never, there were, there were definitely breaks, which I think were necessary. And those moments I think really helped iron out and solidify the drama and the relationships that we, and the, those themes that we love so much. But, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more inclined to believe it's a 50, 50 split at this point of a disaster to drama. Interesting. Well, I mean, I, I could probably go 50, 50. Um, I, I definitely still felt like it was a drama with a bunch of tornadoes. Um, okay. I, I loved it. I, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I just, yeah, I that's just how I, I experienced it. And I think that's also a strength of the film is that oh, I yeah. can, I can experience it that way. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe for me, part of that is because, um, just because of what I've gone through in my life, this particular divorce theme that was being portrayed on screen really hit me hard. Um, yeah. I felt extremely bad for his wife or his gosh, it's hard when they're not actually what those words are. His soon to be wife or fiance, I guess in this case, even right. though he's technically still married. I hate that. Um, Melissa, she hears him proclaiming his love for Joe, like yeah. on the radio by accident. And it just, it really was powerful for me because it reminded me that, you know, this is what I preach to, to young kids all the time that I, that I get to talk to is this is why you don't move on until you're ready to move on. Right. If, if you're going to have, if, if there's any chance that, that you have those feelings for your current wife that you're not actually divorced from, then you probably shouldn't be getting engaged to be married over here on the, the other side. Um, and so even though he didn't mean for that to happen, um, and the film does a great job of how it handles it. Um, there's no fighting. This is one thing I really like about the movie, Bill and Melissa. There's no arguing. There's no panter, you know, pandering over Bill between Melissa and Joe. It's not a cat fight type of thing. The movie doesn't, doesn't go in that direction. Yeah. And Bill and his fiance, Melissa actually part ways in an incredible way. They do it like adults who maturely realize that their relationship doesn't have the foundation that they thought it did. And they don't try to fake it or hold on and they don't place blame and they don't fight. They just, they acknowledge it. They realize it. And they say they're, they say it's time to go our separate ways. And it's, it's really inspiring in a lot of ways because that's not how typical, uh, relationships are handled in society these days. Or on screen for that matter. Or, or definitely, yeah, definitely not on screen. And, and, you know, screen is a lot of times a reflection of your current culture, but because of that, that whole theme that ran throughout the whole movie, um, particularly, I think that's probably why the drama part was such a focus for me more so than. Oh maybe. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if someone were walking into this, having experienced growing up in Oklahoma or being around those type tornadoes, I think they would probably have the other side of that resonate with them. So it's either a come for the drama, stay for the tornadoes or come for the tornadoes and stay for the drama type thing. And that's what I think is great about that is that you have such a, what I would almost say a a great balance of both that appeal to guys like you and me. I think you and I can safely say that we both kind of responded to the different sides of it. I responded to the disaster and the, the, the imminency and the intensity of the tornadoes more so than the drama as opposed to your side where you responded more to the drama or, in, or, or, you know, that. Yeah, I completely agree. And there was something else you said that I, I agreed with. Um, the wishing I had seen this in a theater 
Oh man. <laughs> yes. There's there's a there's there's a short list of those to be honest. And you know, <laughs> most people who become film buffs don't do so until they're you know older. Um, few people get into it when they're really young, but most most people kind of catch on a little bit older in their lives. Yeah. And this is one that you know I saw with my parents, but I didn't get to go see in the theater. And I wish. I wish this would come to a local theater for a replaying. Our buddy Scott uh, actually last week got to his his local theater, replayed this, and he got to go see it. And, and I was just so jealous because can you imagine like how loud? I mean, I'm, I'm just talking about how loud it is with just my normal little TV stereo setup. I oh, cannot gosh. imagine what it would be like to see those weather effects and that crazy chaotic environment <laughs> displayed on screen in the theater or like in an IMAX. Oh gosh. I would love to see that in an IMAX format. I would love it. I would love it. I mean that opening sequence and I'm just going to segue just for a second and say, there's something to be said about opening sequences, whether it's an action packed type thing like twister or whether it's a get to know you moment with certain characters. I would love to do kind of a, a list of what I would consider best opening scenes or best opening sequences in film um, because I was thinking about this and I was thinking about what are some other movies that aren't necessarily related to disaster because obviously when you have something that big it, it sets a tone for the movie but there's a a movie uh, you mentioned San Andreas so there's another movie with uh, with The Rock I'm gonna call him The Rock even though he doesn't go by that anymore um, called The Rundown and most people have probably seen this but the opening scene of introducing him is just awesome that's the only thing i can say because it, it 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 sets the tone for the guy that you're going to be following the rest of the movie um and i just I, I think there's some really great value in how you set up a movie based on the opening scenes whether it's a gradual thing or a sudden thing like twister you have um you have expectations now of okay now we're in it and again i, I think that's why i gravitated more towards the disaster um, was because that's the first thing I got was this big giant thing, this big thing coming to get you. And, uh, you know, had I seen this in the theater, I probably would have, I probably would have been cringing a little bit because it was intense even on my scary. Small, yeah. Yeah. Small scary. screen. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you on the opening scene bit. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll get a thread going in the, uh, the Facebook group discussion group about what people's favorite scenes are. Uh, and, and talk about that some more. I, you know, the I had a just genuine joy and excitement watching the movie again. Um, and, it, and it came from the fact that they had a genuine joy and excitement from chasing the tornadoes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, I, they wanted yeah. to learn about them. I mean, they weren't, they weren't, you know, the movie sets it up with, with Carrie, Carrie Ells, um, character is the kind of villain in a way. He's not really a villain, but <laughs> it's so you know, funny to see. It was so funny to see these two teams juxtaposed against each other. You had this ragtag group of folks in like, they're just casual, like t-shirt and jeans and shorts and crazy hats. Their safety gear consisted of like, uh, safety goggles and batting helmets and things like just this, you know, things that you and I would be like, okay, what do we need for tornado chasing? Let's go to the garage. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then you see across the way, the first in, in, in introduction of, of Jonas and his team in these black minivans. And it's like, you're, you're just, you're, you're totally just saying 
these are the bad guys. It's like you're not even being subtle about it. Like these are the bad guys. They got corporate sponsorships and all this stuff. Yeah. Well, that's it was so funny. That's exactly right. They and that's what they do is they they set it up as the money versus the science. Like he's in yeah. it for the money and they're in it for the science. And I I like that too. Um and it just it reminded me a lot of when I first saw this, how when I first saw this movie, it made me want to be something. I actually took a college class uh, in meteorology largely because of this film, because it had impacted me and it made me curious. It made me want to learn about tornadoes, much how when I watched Armageddon as a kid for the first several times, or I guess I was, I was a teenager, young adult at the time, um, it made me want to be an astronaut. You know, and I love when movies can do that, when they can inspire us and make us want to go learn about something um, beyond just the entertainment value that they're giving us. Yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting point you make, because movies should be inspirational. I had a conversation with a friend of mine and and we kind of differ when it comes to seeing movies that are based on true stories because of the liberties that the creators take with the base story. And my argument to him was. Movies aren't meant to educate necessarily. There is some of that in there, but movies are meant to entertain and to inspire. And if you use some of those elements that are not necessarily completely true to help elevate your characters, to give them more inspirational qualities, there's a lot to be said about what it does for you as a human being to go out and say, I want to be the next astronaut or I want to be the next boxer or something like that i mean you you, those kinds of emotions continue to resonate with you even after the movie's over and we go back and revisit those movies because we want to re-experience those emotions and those and and, and those moments of of excitement and inspiration and i don't think there's anything there's some really good stuff to be said about that and about experiencing that over and over again and what it does for us in our own lives yeah i completely agree with you and the the film also just has a great family theme to it. Um, you were talking about this when you talked about, you know, how kind of ragtag and put together the team is. They yeah. are, they're very unique and they're very special. They don't feel like they are a bunch of scientists going out to do this very scientific thing. They feel right. like they're a bunch of people who truly care about each other and love each other and are in this for the fun and the excitement factor of it. And it comes out incredibly well just through their their little the little differences in their personalities. You talked about, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman and the rest of the cast is is equally just fantastic. Um, yeah. There's, <laughs> you know, this movie has some of the best dialogue that I have heard in a long time. Just yes. listening to it again, I was cracking up. Um, I could I could actually listen to the movie without watching it and get joy from it because the dialogue is so good. Oh, I, I absolutely could too. Um, it was it was such a blast, and I I just loved that. You know, there, there's a, one particular scene that kind of sealed the whole family theme for me, and that was when they're going to have dinner at Aunt Meg's house. They get oh, all yeah. excited about it, and they're like, food, food. They're chanting food yeah. to Joe, and they <laughs> like have, little kids. They, they are, right? And they, and they just, that's not their aunt, but it's clear that this aunt of Joe has taken them in and, and given yeah. them food and, and sheltered them in the past and thinks of them as her own. And 
the team also just has this great desire to get Bill back. There, I mean, from from the get go, from the moment he pulls up, the first thing they say to him is, "You're back, yes, you're back." And he's yeah. like, "No, I'm not back." And they're like, "You're back," and he's like, "No, I'm really yeah. not back." And they're like, "Yes, you are." You know, they want him back. It's yeah. like they're so not just com- welcome back, welcome back. They're yeah. not complete without him, you know. Mm-hmm. And then conversely, that whole that whole idea of them eating at Aunt Meg's house and all coming together at the table, um, it plays out again in a different way at the end of one of the tornadoes when Aunt Meg's house has been destroyed and they mm-hmm. come rushing back. Every single one of those team members yeah. is at that opening trying to help get her out, checking yeah. on her. They're concerned. And it just really is a different vision of a family that we don't see in cinema these days. I mean, these these are not actual blood kin. These are just people who love each other and care about each other and have a common bond. And I really enjoyed seeing that on screen. You said the word that was in my head just right now, common. This idea of commonality, common ground. To me, the moment that I connected with that was actually early on in the movie. It was when Bill's coming up and he wants Joe to sign the papers. We don't know much about their history. We know that they were together and they're obviously they're attempting to get a divorce. And Joe says something. She goes, Bill, it's Dorothy. She's here. Okay. So if I stop the movie right there, having never seen it, I'm going, Oh my gosh, they have a daughter. Okay. Okay. This is getting interesting. And you see Bill's face just go, what? And still I'm thinking daughter, I'm thinking daughter. And then the next thing you see is this apparatus of weather, this weather machine that by the way, when I watched this the first time, I was like, that's so cool. I have no idea what, I I have no idea if the science behind it is valid, but I don't care at this point. I'm like, that's cool. You got little, little, little balls Uh, with antennas and they're going to go up in a tornado and tell you about it. That's just so cool to me. Especially when it actually does work at the end. Oh, like that is one of the best. It's like a whole bunch of little golden snitches. Like yeah, flying it, it, around. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. I'm like, little. this is like pre-Harry Potter stuff going on here. But uh, but I remember in that moment thinking, seeing Bill's face and going, this is where he and Joe connect. Because we see later on through the movie, we see that they have, I mean, they argue. And their arguing is hilarious. I mean, there's, there's some great moments. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit with our, with our scenes. But we see that they have issues. We see that they have differences. But there's something to be said about finding common ground with something and connecting with a person. And this theme, again, I'm going to go back to Juno for just a second. This theme plays out in relationship with Juno and, and, uh, and, and one other character on screen that sometimes it's not about a physical connection that you have with somebody when it comes to a romance. It's about an emotional connection or a social connection. When you find something in common you somehow feel validated. And so when when Bill sees his creation, his theory become physically there, when he sees it in its in its final form or at least in its physical state, he has now connected back with this family. And I think for me that's where the moment of ah, this is going to be about common ground and about family and how they deal with stuff together. And I love how that played out. That's great stuff, man. I I got the same thing out of it and and it just enhanced the viewing so much. Like kind of like we were talking about, like it takes it, it takes it from a typical disaster movie and it just makes it something special. 
uh, because yeah. you can pull all this stuff out of it. And there's there's too many disaster movies that you can't. You just you just can't. So um, it made it it made it very unique. Uh, there's a couple of the other things I just want to hit on before we get to our our favorite scenes. I, personally, these are these are some smaller takeaways for me. I love the decision in the script that they did not at the very beginning, the opening sequence, which we both talked about how amazing it is and how powerful it is, how intense the family had leaves the dog in the house. The dog gets stuck in the house. The dog that looks like Toto. The dog looks a lot like Toto, which I'm sure (laughs) is incredibly not subtle. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But the family does not go back for the dog. And how many movies have you seen where somebody goes back for the animal and something bad happens, or mm. if something bad doesn't happen, then they have to avoid miraculously avoid some tragic event via right. Deus Ex Machina device just to yeah. save the animal. And in this one, it's realistic. Like I love my pets, man. I love them like they are children. But at the end of the day, I'm taking my daughter and my wife, and I'm getting in that storm cellar. Right. And if it's a matter of us dying or not dying, we're getting in the storm cellar, and they didn't go after the dog, and yet the film allowed the dog to get out on its own mm-hmm. and still make it. And I loved that. I just, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that picked up on it, but for me, it was very, it, it just, it was really powerful because they they made the choice to focus on their family, and yet we also, as pet lovers, got to see the dog survive. And so... Yes, I was I was glad to see that. So that I was pretty neat. And, and speaking of, of, of animals, I just have to say... Helen Hunt is a fox. Oh man, I I don't know. I I don't know how. I, it may, if I was my eighteen year old self right now, I don't know how I missed the Helen Hunt train because she is such a hottie in this movie. Um, she's 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 a beautiful woman, and and I really enjoyed being able to see her honest beauty in this movie come out despite not being all dolled up. She didn't have to wear a bunch of makeup. She didn't have to wear a bunch of fancy clothes. The, the characters in this movie don't do that. They don't dress like that. You know, they wear jeans and a t-shirt, like you said. But yep. she had such a natural beauty within the scope of the way that this character was um, created that it, it was awesome. I just, I really, yeah. I really enjoyed her a lot. And I was just trying to think, is this, I, I, I didn't get a chance to to look to see if this was at the height of her like when she was really famous because she was doing Mad About You with Paul Reiser. But I'm seeing her and I'm seeing Bill Paxton and I'm seeing Carrie Ells and I'm seeing, wait, that's Cameron from Ferris Bueller. Oh, wait, there's there's Timothy Butt. And I'm, I'm going, did, did every actor from the 90s just make it into this film? Because I feel like all these guys that we know now, either because they got famous later on or because they were famous at the time, all show up in this movie. And of course, she highlights the whole thing, you know, because she's just amazing in it. But I could not help but think, how many other actors that we know got to be in this movie? Because I'm a big fan of Timothy Busfield. I loved him in West Wing and other things that he's done. He's he was an executive producer on a show called Ed, and he has one line, one line in the whole movie, and that's it. He's on he's on um, Jonas's team. But I'm like, this is crazy because these guys either were famous at the time or became famous in some capacity. And I just, I couldn't believe all the potentially famous or already famous actors that were in the movie just blew me away. And it made me smile. Yeah, me too. The cast is, is really great. 
Did you have anything that we missed? Uh, I think, uh, you know, you hit on the dialogue. I thought it was just so much fun. Um, again, the highlight actor for me was Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, you know, cause I've seen him when he was, you know, later on in his life, the acting roles that he, t- he took on of uh, Capote and some other more serious roles to see him in such an obnoxious juvenile role was, I love the actor and to see him, it's, it's a lot like you and Idris Elba when we see him in these serious roles and I know him as a character from the office to see him in such a, a different light to see Hoffman do his thing. Like the first words out of his mouth to introduce him are he sees Bill and he goes, it's the extreme, yeah, the extreme. And he makes these like this big physical gesture, like he's pumping his pumping iron, like he's showing off his muscles. And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. He is a complete goofball, man. Yeah. Welcome to and the suck zone. Exactly. <laughs> So he's just borderline, just crazy, and uh, and seeing how he and, and the rest of the cast just get the rest of the crew just get pumped whenever they're going after a tornado. Like each one uh, jams a different kind of song. I think he does some kind of I don't know if he's like a Van Halen song. Maybe is that him or somebody? But there's another guy who's singing the uh, Surrey with a fringe on top, the Oklahoma uh, from the musical, and then another one's listening to a classic classical music those are great because they really just highlight how different these guys are but as a team where they found cohesion and and how much they all love what they're doing and i just i love that yeah i no doubt they they got the casting right in this one for sure no complaints except for bill pax i mean other than the lead they got the they got the casting right yeah um, one quick trivia note, and then I want to jump into our favorite scenes. But uh, when I was reading up on this, doing some research, something that really was important, I think, to point out is this movie actually was filmed uh, at the same time that the Oklahoma City bombing happened. Um, and the film was actually delayed a little bit because of it, because they were being it was being shot in the same area. And much of the crew went on site to help with recovery efforts. And I thought that was a pretty neat tie in um, that here we have a bunch of Hollywood actors. uh, They're filming a disaster movie and a real life disaster takes place uh, in their backyard. And they are just humans um, who go to help. And I thought that was a really neat little piece of trivia. I mean, it's sad. Oklahoma City bombing is a terrible event, um, but the fact that the tie-in here and how that works, um, mm. I thought was pretty special. It wouldn't surprise me if some of those events helped to either script some of the scenes or helped create a sense of connection that the actors had with their with their characters. Um, in that case, art imitating life. So. Yeah, I can't imagine how it wouldn't. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I bet it did. I bet, I bet it did. Uh, after seeing something like that up close happen, how could you then go act um, as if you had never seen that? You know, yeah, you're, it's so, definitely gonna gonna put you in a different perspective as a, as a character. Yeah, it gives new meaning to the words. What's my motivation? Well, they had it. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think it's time for our three favorite scenes, Patrick. So. Yes, I'm ready. Get us started. What's your number three? 
Okay, so my first scene or that I love is the conversation between Bill and Joe on the way to the first tornado. And she's like, <laughs> she starts kind of, there's this awkward silence as they're riding down the road. And, and she basically says, I can't remember all the dialogue specifically, but she says, Melissa, she's nice. And he goes, I don't want to fight, Joe. I don't want to fight. It's like he's anticipating. And she's like, what? I'm not, I'm not fighting. You know, I'm not. And and, uh, you know, she's like, so, so what does she do? And he goes, she's a therapist. <laughs> and, and she just kind of pauses. And then she goes, therapy, huh? And she goes, you're a therapist? He goes, see, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to fight. And, we, and, and it's like you you can feel this tension, this hilarious it tension. Is. It's so great. And, and, they, and they, it's almost like they fall into this rhythm like this is how we were. This is why things didn't work out the way we wanted them to because we fight about stupid things because you assume all this under these, these between the lines things happening that just it made it so funny. It made it just hysterical. And, and at the same time, you get more of who they are in this conversation. You get these flat characters that start rounding themselves out, which was just a, it's a great way. It's a great way to continue to introduce them to the audience. So I loved that. I laughed so many times at some of the lines, um, just the, the, the pauses and the awkward silences. And it was great. It was great. I love that scene as well. I thought it was, again, it kind of played into that whole divorce theme and it just, it was, it felt so realistic. The conversation between the two of them, the, yeah. the banter. Uh, well, my number, my number three is um, probably, Gosh, I don't know if this was my this might have been the most intense scene for me in the entire movie. It might have been the one that that made me feel scared the most. And that is uh the first tornado that they are chasing, I believe, or maybe it's the second, I don't know. I guess calling them out by numbers is probably too difficult, but at one point Bill and Joe are in their Bill's truck. Or is it Joe's truck? I think it's Bill's. Truck. It's just- it's, if it's the first tornado, it's Joe's. It's the yellow one, right? It's the yellow one. It's Joe's truck. Yeah, it's and Joe's truck. they end up trying to get into the heart of the tornado or trying to get in the position to where the tornado is going to cross them so that they can get Dorothy and, you know, set her off into the funnel. And they run into this bridge, and they end up taking cover underneath the bridge. And just the way that the film shows the tornado pulling the truck back away from them and then shoving it into the bridge. And then, and I mean, it's very dangerous for them, obviously. And then the pieces of the bridge start being pulled off the top of it. And they're like hiding underneath it. And it's like, for a minute, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if they're going to make it. Like if they're both going to make it, something's going to happen. Somebody's going to get hurt. And, um, and they don't, but it's just, it's incredibly scary and intense for me. And I thought the CGI was really well done in that scene. Um, mm-hmm. it, it got my blood pumping and it had me on the edge of my seat. And so that was one that really stuck out to me. Did you, did you notice? Um, cause I think I saw this, that Joe actually was trying to look and see she like, and, and Bill was pulling her back underneath the bridge. Did you notice that? That when, Oh yeah. She, she, was she, actually, well, she, she tries to she get out. Looking, no, she tries to get to, out several times and he's like, yeah, no, just, you need to stay. And she's like, I want to see it. I want to see it. Yeah, she has a death and, wish. <laughs> no, it's not a death wish. It's it's a it's a it's a therapeutic thing for her because of yeah. her, the way that her dad died. Yeah, she she wants to see this thing up close. It's like she wants to. It's almost like she's shaking her fist at at the tornado as a exactly. as, a, as an entity. Like she wants to to challenge it. To understand well, and that it. didn't 
Yeah, and that didn't need to happen necessarily. We didn't necessarily the they didn't need to show that, but they did for a reason. And I love the fact that for any one of us, we're like, no, get under here. We're Bill. But for her, we see an element, a layer of her character come out because of the fact that she's 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 scared to death of a thing. I mean, she's very she's very in her world going, okay, I know what the danger is, but there's that one piece of her that wants to say, I got to see it. I need to see it. Yep. It absolutely overrules her common sense at that moment. Yeah. So for me, the number two was another truck conversation (laughs) and they, I, you know, I'm just going to say this, all of my, all of my scenes happen in the midst of the various tornadoes that pop in. Oh, that's not narrowing it down that much. Yeah, no, it really isn't. The tornado was my favorite actor in the whole movie. <laughs> so, you know, no. Um, so you had the second truck conversation with Melissa. She's in the back of the truck, and they're they're in Bill's truck this time. And she's on the phone with one of her patients, and I think they're either chasing the tornado or they're trying to outrun the tornado. And at some at some at some point, that famous scene where the cow flies across the. Uh, across the bridge or wherever they're going and Helen Hunt's character, Joe goes cow. And then that was funny. But what was even funnier for me was hearing Melissa go, uh, I gotta go. We got cows. We got cows. (laughs) Exactly. And, and then, and I think it's, it's not just the line itself, but later on, I think it's, I think it's her, I think it's her Southern accent that really sells it for me after the whole thing is over. She goes to she goes to Bill and she says, she says, when you said you chase tornadoes, I just thought it was a metaphor. Yep. <laughs> One of my favorite I, lines of dialogue in the entire it's movie. So, so funny. And it just I, I just I had to stop. I had to pause the movie and just kind of catch my composure because I didn't want to miss any other great lines. I figured there were going to be more coming in the next few seconds, but just, she was so scared. She's like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know you meant, I thought that was a metaphor. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and it's coming from someone who's a therapist. It's like, Oh yeah, for sure. Of course you did. Right. Of course she yeah. did. She, that's, that's yeah. what she does for a living. And yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely love that line. And you know, it's that whole sequence and that whole dialogue is a great example of, they they walk the line between campy cheesy dialogue mm-hmm. so perfectly because this could have easily fallen that direction to where it was groaner worthy but yeah. it's just it's just on the other side that it's so good it feels natural um, natural dialogue that's a word for it like yeah. it feels natural like I, I feel like someone would say we've got cows like that's that sounds like something somebody might actually say in that, you know, in a moment of shock. Yeah. And, and I think when you see Joe say what she says, cow, and then you see her say, we got cows, even in other places, you see Melissa who represents you and me, people that are not storm chasers, how freaked out we get amidst this, almost like this calm within the storm of these storm chasers that this is like, this is a Tuesday for them. I mean, even in the, um, well, we'll get to that later, but because um, it's another one of my scenes. But yeah, I just I, I think seeing those two opposites, seeing someone who's not experienced versus a team that is, and seeing how they respond to this potential disaster or this actual disaster that's happening, it's, it's just great. Yeah, it's really done well. So yeah. my second favorite scene is the scene that probably gave me the biggest grin. Um, it, it probably evoked the most joy from me, and that was early on. 
They set off to chase a tornado. Bill is back with the team, and they kick the Van Halen on. You mentioned this earlier. (laughs) You mentioned this music theme earlier, and it's the music is great. Both both the soundtrack and the score for this film are amazing. Um, The score is very bouncy for the most part, and then it gets incredibly somber and, and you know makes sense when the tornadoes are there. But yeah, when they when they're on the road and they hit the Van Halen and the team just I I couldn't help but be pulled in to the joy I was seeing by the team. They were smiling and laughing and cracking jokes and they just had this incredible excitement about them as they were going yeah. off. And like they were yeah. Yeah, and there's a there's a great line so they they they're they're driving off and the scene takes takes a few minutes and they're chasing this tornado and they're they're trying to beat Jonas's team. And so they they cut off and Rabbit is navigating. And so they cut off into this cornfield and they're crossing through this cornfield. They're just knocking down rows of corn as they go. And they're trying to to get him to confirm where they're at, where they're going to come out. And he says, "Trust me, Rabbit is good. Rabbit is wise." And <laughs> again with the just fantastic dialogue, right? Yeah, it just yeah. speaks to his character. He doesn't have a lot of lines in the movie, but it tells you what his role is. And then they burst out of the corn and almost literally run right into Jonas's caravan. And they yes, swoop, I remember that. They, that was so intense. They swing to the right, and it's just that that whole sequence. And it all starts with them getting in this first caravan, kicking the Van Halen on, and it's just a, a guns, you know, guns blazing, just pedal to the metal as they're going yeah. after this tornado and they are just all in with complete joy. And I, I was pulled into that. Like tornado rock and roll, man. I mean, it was just like, yeah, go, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good way. So to much fun. It. So much fun. So much fun. Well, speaking of intense. So my third scene happens during the, um, well, I guess this would be, again, I think I've lost count of how many tornadoes we have, but this is the, the particular tornado at the drive-in, the one that, um, that sort of comes out of sort of comes out of nowhere. Um, I think you, and we were talking about this earlier this week about how <laughs> you looked away uh, from the television for a second and you came back and the shining was on like, <laughs> because we were talking about the fact that that, that was what was going on in the, uh, at the, that was what was playing at the drive-in. But what I loved about the scene was you see this intensity come up, this slow build. And then all of a sudden the tornado is, almost upon them and there's this great visual of the tornado itself being sort of highlighted behind or in with with lightning behind it so you hear it and then you see the lightning sort of flash like and you see how big it actually is and then it rips through the the drive-through and then it starts so everybody takes cover and i guess i don't know what it is some kind of like um I don't know, some kind of like bunker of some kind. And what you see, I think I talked about this earlier, that you see everybody huddled down and they know what's, I mean, this is serious business, so they're trying to take cover at the lowest point. And I think I remember seeing a couple of the guys on the team laughing a little bit or smiling like, this is fun, or not fun, but this is this is crazy. And at one point, one of the guys from the team grabs a rope or throws something and they're like, yeah, I got it. And then this hubcap comes out of nowhere and basically slices a big cut into his his forehead, and he, he steps back and he goes, 
that just happened. Okay, whoa, <laughs> this isn't a game anymore. But that whole scene to me felt like, okay, if I'm going to visualize the moment that a tornado shows up coming at me and what it looks like from the point of view of people actually taking cover and seeing it rip through things, to me, that's where the CG was really effective. Because it felt real. It didn't feel overblown. There weren't cows flying around everywhere. There there was legitimate things flying into the building. And, of course, there were some things that were flying around that set up, you know, small moments. But for the most part, man, it, it, it was it, – that was the intense moment for me in the whole movie was that particular scene. And, and I, I, I really I, – I felt – I felt scared and I felt uh, nervous and like, what's going to happen? Cause they don't really say that everybody lives and you know, but it was, yeah, it was great. Yeah. That was, that was an awesome one. I, it's probably my honorable mention if I had one um, would be that scene because I felt the same way, uh, much like the bridge coming apart. Um, but in a, in a, like that was a personal version, kind of tight shot with just Bill, or Bill and Joe. And this is a wider, you know, big picture version of the the devastation of the tornado but yeah that that it taking down the drive drive in screen is to drive through i kept saying drive through i'm sorry i meant drive in yeah it, it, the tornado taking down that drive in screen is a is an iconic image uh for yeah. me in film well my number one is also sort of on the somber side uh this was probably the moment that it didn't quite bring me to tears um but I thought it was a very well done transition um, between moods that, again, highlighted and really showed just how much of a family the team is. So they're they're at dinner and they're having this great dinner. They're passing around the food. They're talking about stuff, and you know, Melissa's asking questions, and they're they're getting to to tell her about what it's like to chase tornadoes. Everybody's happy. And they're, tell- and they're telling the extreme story about how he got the name extreme, right? That's part of it. That's where it starts off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But so they're, they're very happy and, and exciting and they're just, they're just having fun. And at one point she finally asks, um, if anyone has seen an F five, they, they, they get to talking about, basically they get to explaining to her the Fujita scale, which is how tornadoes are ranked. And so they're telling her about, you know, F ones, twos, threes, fours, and they're using, they're they're using how much they eat, how much a tornado eats. They explain that you know the the rating is based on how much damage it causes or how much destruction it eats. And yeah. uh, and then she asks, "Has anyone seen an F five? And the the whole team is just, you can feel it on the screen. Like you've got just quick shots of different people's facial expressions, and you know there's only one person that talks, and you know this is only one of us. And, and and no one goes into detail, right? But it's 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 just it takes you in a in a very brief like minute and a half long moment from how happy they are together to how mournful they are also together. And it shows to me it cemented them as a family because it showed that they weren't just one note. They weren't just there for each other in the excitement or there for each other in the good times, that they equally were there for each other in the bad times. And remembering what happened to Joe was very hard for them. Yeah, that's so, a great point. It's a great point. So that one, that one was really impactful. Yeah, yeah, very cool, man. Very cool. 
Well, I mean, if you've got anything else, I, I don't know if I have much from that. The, the whole movie's great. I, I kind of want to go watch it again now. <laughs> yeah, I got one more piece of trivia for you. Did you know that the sound of the tornado was a camel's moan slowed down? What? Yeah, right? Now, now I definitely have to go back and watch it. Yeah, that was a camel. <laughs> a camel. Mm-hmm. Oh, the deadly F5 camel. I wonder I wonder if there's a Wilhelm scream in this movie at some point. I don't think there would be, but or maybe there is. I don't know. I'd like to see. Okay, can we can we just shut this off? I need to go watch this again. <laughs> just, You're more than welcome to. Okay, see you guys. <laughs> well, with that said, uh yeah, so where can uh, people engage with you after this podcast if they want to tell you what they thought about you? I'm on uh, Twitter, uh, Shoeless Patch, at Shoeless Patch, and I'm also on Facebook, uh, Shoeless Patch, as well. So you guys can find me there, one of those two places. That's kind of where I reside most of the time. And um, you can also catch me indirectly on the Feelin' Film website or uh, or through our, our Twitter handle, at Feelin' Film. And, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Great. Well, I am everywhere in the interwebs as Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. As I mentioned earlier, I do watch a lot of movies during the week, most weeks. So if you want to engage with me on those, uh, follow me on Twitter and send me your tweets. Tell me what you think about the things that we're all collectively watching. Um, The Facebook group is a great place to come for discussion. You can make posts there. You can uh, talk about things. I will put up a post uh, to discuss favorite opening scenes. So please come visit it and get engaged. Let us know what yours are. Speaking of the Facebook page, um, those are all, both the Facebook page and the Twitter is at Feelin' Film. So easy to find. Luckily, we, we have a handle that's not too confusing. Um, mm-hmm. When you come to the Facebook page and you join the Facebook group, which is where all the discussion is happening, Uh, That is actually one of the prerequisites for a competition we are holding. And this competition is kicking off this week, so you need to get in on this by Thursday. If you're listening to this when the episode comes out on a Monday, we are running a fantasy movie league uh, group. And this is a website where you go on and you essentially are picking films that are going to do well in the box office that week. You have a limited budget to spend, so you have to kind of be smart about how you're going to spend that budget and make the most money. And I am putting up a $20 gift card for the winner of this summer season. And all you got to do is be a member of the Facebook group and join this group uh, and get your get your entry in. So we would love to see you there. There's a post on the Facebook page on the Facebook group that explains in detail uh, how you get into that group. So check those out. Other than that... Yeah. We uh, unofficial, yeah, unofficial bonus points if you come up with a really great name for your Cineplex. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's better if you come up with a cool name for sure. Um, that that would be nice. Rather than it just defaults to your username, so it's kind of kind yeah. of boring. But there are some good ones in there now. You should go check them out. And we've had yep. we've had a good number of people in there. So um, yeah, come join that group and compete against us. Let us let us see what you got. But until then, um, so next week we are going to be covering Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the 2014 reboot. Uh, that's going to kick off two weeks of Turtles for us. Uh, the week after that, we will be looking at the new TMNT 2. We'll be doing our real reaction to that 
on opening weekend of that film, let you know what we think and whether or not it is worth your time. So get ready for a whole lot of turtles coming at you in the next two I'm weeks. excited. I'm excited. I love my turtles. Me too. But until then, I think that's it for us. So stay positive. Keep feeling film. <laughs> <laughs>